drive up and over the canyon was incredible. I've, I've not seen it this green the middle of July. Let me say that again, the middle of July. This is usually end of May, beginning of June. It was a time I just really praised God. I was just saying, God, just thank you for the great snowfall this winter, the incredible rain this spring and early summer. It's beautiful. Now, as we were talking, if you're trying to garden, it's a little tough. Unless you're doing a cold garden, wanting that nice cold stuff to go. But it's a privilege to be with you today. And sorry, the young people are having a great time. We're still here. I see others are camping. We're still here. But we're going to have a great time also. We're going to open God's Word. We're going to look at Psalms chapter 4. Nick mentioned that you guys were doing a summer in the Psalms. And so this, for me, is actually a nice little break because I've helped start a cowboy church last fall. And so I've been preaching in an arena all this summer, a nice, dirty arena with some horse apples. We're having an incredible time on Sunday nights in the south part of the Salt Lake Valley. Where we're at is where Bluffdale, Perriman, Riverdale, uh, Riverton all come together. We did a study two years ago. There are 10,000 horse properties in that south end of the valley. Now, not all of them have horses, but a fair number do. You just go out and start counting flies, and you know there's horses around. So there's a number of folks, and, and let's be honest. When you go to a church on Sunday morning, the cowboys aren't there. The cowgirls aren't there. They're out at a rodeo somewhere. They're having a great time in on a horse ride. They're not coming on Sunday morning, so we meet on Sunday nights. When you're coming back home from the rodeo, coming back home from the mountains, we're having fun. And today we're having actually, a, uh, we're calling it a cookout because if you're from the south, we, f- we found out if you call it a barbecue, they think that means you're having brisket, all this really good stuff. We know in the west we're going to have hamburgers and hot dogs. There's not going to be brisket, unfortunately. Though if there was, man, I can't wait. But th- that's tonight, and so actually I, I have tonight off of not having to preach at Cowboy Church, so I'm here when Nick asked, I was like, hey, this is great. So I'm actually having fun. This is my sixth week in a row preaching that have been almost all of them, except for when I preached at the Chinese church two weeks ago, almost all of them have been in the Gospel of John. That's where we're preaching through at the Cowboy Church, been doing a community group through Gospel of John, because what better place to study and learn about Jesus than the one who the disciples called the one whom Jesus loved, talking about his best friend Jesus. And we're having a great time. So I'm excited to be looking at Psalms chapter 4. And I'll, I'm not sure if that meant last week, did you guys do Psalm 3? You're just jumping around. Okay, so I just wanted to make sure because if so, then I'm going to say Psalm 3 last week. Sean maybe stole some of my thunder because in a lot of ways, Psalms 3 and 4 go together when you look at Bible commentaries and when they talk about that. And if your Bible has some notes atop of the chapter, it'll talk about the troubles that David was having in Psalm 3 with his son Absalom. And then Psalm 4, it says a night prayer that we're going to be looking at this morning. So not tonight, not during prayer. But before we get to there, Nick mentioned it. I want to give you greetings from 186 Southern Baptist churches across Idaho and Utah. In the last five and a half years, we have started 56 churches. Isn't that incredible? When you read the book of Acts, 
you hear of things like that in Utah and in Idaho for at least Southern Baptists. We're experiencing that right now, which is exciting to know. And there's other denominations doing great stuff, non-denominational churches. There is a church planning movement going on in our region. And for me, that means God is getting ready to do something great. Well, I've been you greetings from that 186 Southern Baptist churches. Um, but church starting isn't the only thing we're about. We're about strengthening existing churches. And that's always a constant challenge. You get a church plant started, it's fine at first. Guess what? It becomes a church and it needs strengthening. And so we're engaged with many of that 186 churches with needs that they have. If it's like today, filling the pulpit, that's fun. But if it's training, we did a lot of training this spring. Many churches are doing vacation Bible school right now. We trained most of those leaders in those churches. And I want to give you some reports. We're hearing incredible things happening in this vacation Bible school. The kids get together, have fun during the week. They hear about Jesus, do a Bible study, and a lot of kids are coming to know Christ. And our prayer is that their parents will come to Christ too. And so it's exciting to see what God's doing. One of the things I want to thank you for is gifts to the cooperative program. It's what Southern Baptists do together cooperatively. Each church gives some money because we all realize we can do more working together than we can do individually. Our largest church runs over 700, the Point Church in, in Salt Lake in Kearns. Credible church. They have about, I think last time I asked Corey Hodges, the pastor, they have about 38 different nationalities in their church. It's like going to heaven. And, and it's probably as loud as heaven when you go there. It's an incredible church. But that church by itself cannot reach Utah, Idaho, or North America. It is bonded together with other churches like your church, giving some funds to do a lot more than they can by themselves. And so thank you for your gift. You know, one of the other things that churches do working together, wanted to share this, is they help when other churches are struggling. Uh, this Sunday, down in Huntington, which is just a hop, skip, and a jump from here, um, Pastor Christopher um, Peterson, who's been there, he's going to be going to Vernal as their pastor of youth and family, student and families. And so that, that little church is trying to decide really what to do. And they've talked about, well, we're just going to go and to other churches in the area. Well, we know there's not that many churches down here, and who's going to reach Huntington? And so John William uh, Madsen, who's a pastor at Roosevelt at Uwena Cowboy Church, next Sunday, he's going to come down there for the next couple weeks and look into possibly starting a cowboy church in Huntington. Now, we all say cowboy church. Well, you have to be a cowboy to go. Look at me. Do I look like a cowboy? Yes, I grew up in South Dakota. Yes, I bucked a lot of hay, and I shoveled a lot of stalls, but I'm not really a cowboy. If you live in that area or you have friends in that area, tell them to check it out. Um, John actually has a couple from Sunnyside who are going to come over and help him get things started with that. So they would love to have help, and that's how churches work together. When you read the New Testament, you see that happening a lot. Paul getting help from a church and commending another church. The churches work together, and God's been doing that since he started the church, and it's exciting. So know that you're not alone. You know you have many different folks helping fill the pulpit this summer. you got other churches that are here for you, and you're here for other churches too. 
so it's great. And so it's privilege to, to be here with you. If you're interested in knowing more about Huntington, talk with me afterwards. I'll give you the contact to get you in touch with, with Pastor John. The cowboy church he does over there in Roosevelt's actually on the reservation right there. Um, folks will say, well, that's not going to work. It's reaching Native Americans. It's reaching everyone. So it's for anyone. So I, I, I just share that with you. Well, it's exciting to, to share. So let's look at Psalm chapter 4. Let's see, I got, how, when do you guys go to? About 1230, is it? Four or five? Four or five? Oh, well. We're going to look at every single word. I'll get out my, my Hebrew and my phone, and we'll look at them. No, we won't do that. But Psalms chapter 4, and I'm going to read with you. This one's the, the Holman Christian Standard, so it may be different than what you have. I noticed in the pews you got um, New International Standard. A lot of times I read English Standard Version, too. There's a lot of, of versions, and it's really neat when you read a passage in different versions because the the translators, the folks who've worked on this, the theologians, a lot of times struggle on which word to put in. And so this is a newer translation. It's been out about 15 years, the Holman Christian Standard. So starting with verse 1 of chapter 4. Answer me when I call, God, who vindicated me. You freed me from afflictions by gracious being, by being gracious to me and hear my prayer. How long, exalted men, will my honor be insulted? How long will you love what is worthless and pursue a lie? Know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. On your bed, reflect in your heart and be still. Offer sacrifices in righteousness and trust in the Lord. Many are saying, who can show us anything good? Look on us with favor, Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and new wine abound. I will both lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, Lord, make me live in safety. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've given us the Bible and that you've given us the Psalms to, to be with us in, in times of rejoicing and in times of sorrow and in times of great fear. That, Father, you can speak through the Psalms to us to give us encouragement. You give us the Psalms so that we can encourage others. We thank you so much for your love. May this passage be real to us today at this time. May you speak through me. Hide me behind the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. When you look at psalms, they're about emotions. There's a lot of emotions when you look in the psalms. When I say that, I think the eh, maybe half and half or a little more majority guys here today. Us guys, emotions, feelings, we have a hard time with them. There's only one emotion and feeling that, as you look in society, that's seen as what men can have and it's acceptable and what is that anger when you think about that for many generations the generation before me anger was the only thing i i saw my father have i mean rarely did i see joy but i saw anger when things didn't work out quite right you probably understand that realize that in our family 
when Rob's trying to fix something, everyone flees. Because they know Rob's feeling of anger, fear, frustration is going to come out. Well, you see those in the Psalms. And we see that in the Psalm we're looking at today of David. This is a Psalm the commentaries say more likely goes with Psalm 3. It's when David is fleeing from his son Absalom. Now, just to give a little bit of the story for that, with Absalom, Absalom was his son who was supposed to be the heir apparent. He was the son who actually, defending one of his sisters, committed murder, was kicked out, and David did not see his son, but allowed his son to come back to Jerusalem. This son, Absalom, lived in the shadow of his dad, but his dad didn't come and visit with him. And, and things started happening, and we don't, well, we do have time now to really go into it even deeper, but all of this was a result of David's sin with Bathsheba and killing her husband. When Nathan, and you can see it in Psalm 51, confronts David, and we see his repentance, but confronts David about his sin with Bathsheba, adultery that he had, and then to cover his adultery, he killed her husband, had him killed in war. David made some very bad sins, and when the prophet Nathan confronted him on him, David responded in repentance as he should, but there were consequences. Nathan said, this is going to destroy your family, really, literally. And this is a result, and these psalms, Psalms 3 and 4, are a result of what's happening because really of David's sin and not leading his family as he should have as the father. So that's important to think. The other thing when you look at the psalms and look at these psalms, psalms are a great place to go when you're dealing with a major issue, especially if it's a catastrophe that you've dealt with personally or someone close with you is dealing with loss, grief, hurt, something has happened to them. Psalms is a great place to go. One of our pastors in Idaho, a neat guy, two years ago his son committed suicide. It's just tragic. It's sad. His son was a believer, but dealt with some mental challenges and issues going on in his life and committed suicide. The last two years, his father has not left that church, which is incredible. But his father, the pastor, has spent all the last two years in the Psalms. Because one of the great counseling things that you will get from pastors and ministers when you deal with sorrow or hurt is to just spend your time in the Psalms because of the feelings are there. I speak from personal experience. My wife and I had something that happened seriously right after we got married. My pastor said, Rob, spend time in the Psalms for two years. All I did in my devotions was read the Psalms, pray the Psalms, cry the Psalms out. They're there to help you. So if you're dealing with something, or you know someone's dealing with some challenges, some hurts, take them to the Psalms. So it's great you're spending time this, this summer in the Psalms. They're a great place to go for God's healing and for God to, to work in your life to help you. Uh, the psalm for this week, 
as I was preparing for the message, I read it in different versions and read it over and over and read it in context to get ideas. Okay, what is this saying to me? So in my morning devotional, where I, a lot of times in my reading in gospel of John for Cowboy Church to get ready for sermon and reading, reading, I did that with Psalms. You could do that too. Read it over and over and see how the Lord uses it in your life. One of my favorite things to do is to go for a walk. My wife and I almost every morning go for a walk around Ochre Lake. We live by daybreak in South Jordan. And I love going after I've read in the morning, read some verses, read some friends' verses, read the passage I'm going to preach on or whatever that week, and to meditate about it as I walk around the lake to think, what's this mean? The word in here that, that really hit me was righteous God. And I've spent most of the week thinking about righteous God. What is a righteous God? We just sing about his love. For God to have love, he's also got to be righteous. It doesn't mean they're in conflict. And we're going to look a little closer at that. So let's look through these. We're going to go verse by verse through this. Verse 1, answer me when I call, God, who vindicates me. You freed me from afflictions. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Can you hear, hear David right there talking about, God, hear my prayer? David is praying because he's got some serious need. And as I mentioned a moment ago, he's actually literally running from his son who is taking away the kingdom from him and is planning to kill his dad. And David is running. And so we see David coming to pray. He says, answer me when I call God. David is able to say that because in the past, he has experienced God answering his prayers. Do you have that in your testimony? You've had a serious prayer need, prayer issue, and you were praying, had others praying for you for it also, and to see God answer that? Doesn't that give you assurances the next time you go to pray with God that God can handle this and he can answer it? He may not answer it the way you expect, but be looking. That gives you confidence when you're going through a tough time or you have a friend going through a tough time to tell them, I am praying for you, praying specifically. I do that for my boys. The illustration on that is the early part of the summer, last month, my oldest son's at West Point, United States Military Academy at West Point, starting his last year. Praise God, it's been a quite the journey but he was on field training exercise last month and while he was on that exercise you may have saw it on the news on june 6th d-day so i'm never going to forget that day that morning i got up early god woke me up an hour and a half earlier so i was up at 4 30 and spent time one of the first thing i do is pray for our two boys and i prayed for hunter that morning and then i was doing my devotional and as i was doing that he texted me early that morning, which when Hunter's on a field training with West Point, we usually don't hear from him. And he was on a three-week training. Well, I got a text, and his words were, Dad, I'm okay, I'm safe. I'll share some more later. Well, when you get that as a dad, or as a mom, of course, I didn't wake up Jaquita, I didn't want to worry her right then, your heart skips a beat. I've been praying for him. What is going on? And so I, I texted some friends in the ministry, our state convention missionary staff, said, pray for my son Hunter. I don't know what's going on, but he is okay. One of the, the staff folks texted back a news headline, 
uh, there was an accident at West Point. And at that time, they didn't know what all had happened, but it involved a group of the cadets. And here my son gave me a text. An hour later, he texted me back more about what happened. There was an accident. A military vehicle rolled. 20 cadets were hurt. These are two soldiers driving were hurt. And two at that they knew at that time were seriously hurt. And then a little bit later, Hunter texted back, one died. God doesn't do coincidences. God is, knows what he's doing. Waking me up early, praying for my son. The vehicle that rolled over had Hunter's squad, all but four of them, him and three others, and his platoon on it. Close, like, real close here. It was that close. He was supposed to have been on that vehicle that rolled, but it was full. Their bench seats were all taken up, so the soldier told him no, which is follow safety procedure. They're there for a reason, and so they were waiting on the next one. And Hunter said, when we talked later that day, while they were waiting, they heard about the accident in the vehicle rolling. And they heard about, and Hunter does, did know the cadet who died. And there's more story on that, but we don't need to be going in that. But I want you to know, because I've been praying for my son. Other times, I've seen answers to prayers. I know how prayers work. God, we believe, we know. You could, you could argue with my wife, but she's not gonna, you're not going to win. God protected Hunter. Now, my prayer is, if that had been Hunter, can I still say praise the Lord? And that's the part. But, but God answers. And David here knows his son wants to kill him. And some of the things he did, you can, you can read in, in, in the other passages in the Bible about it. His son was stealing the kingdom and was after to kill him. And those that were following him. And David is pr coming to pray to God. He says, answer me when I call. David knows that God will, will answer. He knows from his past. In John 15, 17, verse 25, Jesus, in his prayer, right before he was going to be crucified, praying to the Father, Jesus prayed, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know you that have sent, that you have sent me. Talking about the disciples. Jesus knew the Father was hearing him. David, in this ver verse, knows God's going to hear his prayer. Do you know God hears your prayer? Do you know that yourself? Verse 2. How long exalted men will honor, will my honor be insulted? How long will you love what is worthless and pursue a lie? You can just hear David's hurt there, what's going on as he's talking about this. David's petition to God. He's saying others are following lies. The lies, which that had to hurt the worst. Lies from his own son about his father to get people to follow him, to take the kingdom. That had to hurt. David is praying that. In Psalms 5, chapter 5, verse 6, one more psalm over, it says, You destroy those who tell lies. That's important to remember to tell the truth. David is praying here. 
His son is not telling the truth, and others are following him and his wicked ways. Absalom is leading folks astray. That has to hurt. That has to hurt David. Verse 3. Know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. David is saying the Lord sets him apart and those who are following David. There's a remnant following him, but most of the kingdom wasn't following David. They didn't care. David is saying, I know that God will hear me. He had confidence. The word here talks about separate. Separate from the others. The word separate here means treated special, distinguished. David knew that God loved him, even though he had done the terrible sins. He knew God had forgiven him. And he was trying to to live to please God. The other word for separate is the word we get is the word holy. Holiness comes from God. The result is King David knows that God will answer his prayer. Do you have this confidence God will answer your prayers? If not, we need to talk about that. And I'll point you to Psalm 51. We'll stay in the Psalms and see where David asked God to create me a clean heart again. And God does it. God will do that. God is the God of second chances because that is his love. But because of his righteousness, Jesus took care of that sin on the cross for us. Incredible to think about. Verse 4, be angry and do not sin on your bed. Reflect in your heart and be still. Be angry and do not sin. Ephesians 4, verse 26 says, be angry and do not sin. Guys, as I already mentioned, we struggle with this emotion of anger. I don't know how, why, but God made us that way. Where we have a strong passion and and we got to learn how to handle it in a, in a godly way. When it says anger, that's an emotion. It's okay to have emotions. It's how you handle it is where the problem happens. And that's something we need to remember. It's how we handle it. We miss, must give our anger over to the Lord, just as David is here. We know that because Later on in the story of Absalom, it's getting bad and it's getting to the fight going on. Absalom was trying to kill his dad. King David didn't want Absalom to die. And when he finds out he did die, he was brokenhearted over that. Even though he was angry at his son, he still loved his son. And we need to remember that. We can be angry. I've been angry at my boys at times, but I still love them. That is critical for us to know. David is saying to think and meditate before we act so that we don't sin. The word destroy, be angry, do not sin. On your bed, when you think about that at night, I, 
I'm I'm terrible with re-explaining things. I have this memory button up here I hit at night where I remember I said something that really I shouldn't have, and I keep playing it over and over, or something happened. David is able to, to not be angry, to give it to God, and we'll see in the last verse, he's able to sleep peacefully. I struggle with that. I struggle with that. We all have parts of that. We have to learn how to to be angry and and not sin as David here. Verse 5, offer sacrifices in righteousness and trust in the Lord. This is, David is saying, so he's fleeing from his son, fleeing from a tough time, but he is still able to worship God. So when bad times are happening, guess what King David is doing? He's still worshiping. I struggle with that. But that is the example for us. When things are going tough, we still need to worship God. As I mentioned in the story about my son Hunter, my struggle is what if I had not gotten that text? What if that soldier had told them to get on as Hunter told me later on? Most of the time they just tell us to pile on. He said, if me and the three others in my squad had piled on, we'd have been standing in that vehicle. When it rolled, we would not be here. So could I be worshiping if that would have been the case? David is illustrating that for us. Offer sacrifices in righteousness. And that's why I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And that's a very familiar one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. Trust in the Lord. Trust. When you're angry, can you trust God or do you take it on yourself? How sweet it is to worship and to worship even when you're anguished. When I thought about that this week in my walk, God put in my mind about Hannah. She could not have children, and yet she was still going yearly with her husband and the other wife. We won't go on that part today talking about, but she was anguished, but she still went and worshiped the Lord. I believe that has to do with trust. When we're going through a challenging time, can we trust God? Can we trust God with that? To worship God even before the prayer is answered. That's what I found really interesting as I look through this in Psalms chapter 4. David is praying, he's still fleeing, and yet he's trusting God, knowing that God is in control, and whatever happens is fine. So he's able to worship God. And that's something for us to, to be able to do in this summer, looking at the Psalms is trust, give it to God, even before the biggest challenge you have going on is answered. Be able to trust God. Verse 6, many are saying, who can show us anything good? Look on us with favor, God. Many in troubling times are asking for hope. Our society today is grasping for hope. You think about that. And the younger generation is feeling that 
everything is coming to a bad close to the end. Everything is being destroyed. They're really showing that they feel as though there is no hope, that it's hopeless. It's a desperate situation. Um, And yet, as David is fleeing, he knows it's not hopeless. He knows God, and he has confidence in God. King David had faced King Saul when David was young. When Saul was trying to kill him, threw the spear in the wall while David was singing. There's a worship song for you. Being singing and someone throws a spear at you. David had gone through that. He had been in the caves, and yet he still could trust God. Look even earlier in David's life. We love to sing the song about David and the Goliath as a young, young, young man, probably a a teenager. He was able to face the giant because he learned to trust God. But how could he trust God with the giant and King Saul? He talks about when he was a boy watching his dad's sheep. When the lion came, he said, when the bear came, I slew them. He trusted God. He had learned from previous experiences that God can and will answer. If that's not your testimony, the Bible can give you that testimony. You can read about folks who have trusted God in those tough times and how God has delivered. That gives you confidence. That's why we gather as a church body, because we can encourage one another. If you're going through a tough time, there may be someone else in your church who's been through it before, who can encourage you and help you walk through it. Whatever the challenge is, it is incredible. God can give us hope, even when many are saying nothing good's going to come of it. David is actually knows what it's like to live in those hopeless times and yet to have hope through them and to trust God for the results. Verse 7, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and new wine abounds. That's incredible when you think about that. Because the biggest joy for them was knowing they had a meal the next day. And if you had some wine on top of that, wow. But he is saying God is more joy than that. Here David is fleeing in a challenging time. He knows one is of his own sons is trying to take his life, and yet he says, I have joy. Joy doesn't deal with the circumstances around us. You may be going through a tough time, but you can have the joy of the Lord in you because you know who the Lord is, and you have that relationship. David is called the one whom God loves, the one who loves God. David had that joy even through challenging times. That can be our testimony, too. For me, it starts back November 9th, 1976, in Custer, South Dakota, the night when I said, Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord and Savior, to forgive me of my sins. That little Baptist church in Custer, South Dakota, on a Sunday night, and God did that for me. And that joy, as it says in Psalms 51, David says, even after he's been confronted with the sin of Bathsheba and Uriah, and he's prayed and and asked for forgiveness, and God has given it, he says, God, return the joy of my salvation. 
You may be going through a tough time, but if you know Jesus, that tough time does not equate with the joy of knowing Jesus, who will go through that with you. That is so, so huge. Verse 8. I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, Lord, make me live in safety. You read that, that kind of just is, I lie down in peace. One's trying to take my life, one of my own sons, and yet David says, who can lie down in peace? He knows the joy of the Lord, his relationship with the Lord has been restored, and he can lie down in peace, even out on a rock or in a cave, in dirt, with others trying to kill him. He still can lie down because he knew God and that God was with him. And no matter what happened, God loved him and God was going to take care of him. That's important for us to know because that peace makes a difference. In Psalms chapter 3, verse 5, the previous psalm, he says, who can sleep in peace? In Deuteronomy 33, 28 Israel lived in safety. David was in turmoil with others attacking him, trying to take his life, but he is still able to enjoy the presence and peace of God. Did you hear that? Let me say that again. He still was able to enjoy the presence and peace of God while others were trying to take his life. He knew, as I thought about this this week, he knew how to experience Sabbath. Rest in God, to trust in God, to worship God, no matter the circumstances. Is that your testimony? Is that my testimony? Do others see that in us? Does this describe us? Do you need this peace that comes from a relationship with Jesus? There is hope according to the Bible. And guess what? There's been over a billion people who've experienced that hope when you think about this world. What are some biblical truths coming out of Psalms chapter 4? The first one I see is the righteousness of God. The psalmist calls on the righteous God. When he's in distress, God is the solution with God's mercy and grace. He also knew because of God's righteousness that God opposes evil. And he knew evil was on the war path. Jesus addresses God as righteous father in that John 17 as he faced his crucifixion. See, God is love and God is righteous. God can keep those together. It's hard to think about that. Righteousness, no mistakes, perfect. And love, today in our society, we want that love to be the gushy love, and you just overlook everything. That's not God's righteousness. But God is able to look over that because of what Jesus did if you accept what Jesus did for you. The Bible talks about it very clearly. I love Romans chapter 10. It talks about with your mouth you confess your sins, and with your heart you believe in Christ. And it brings upon salvation to you. In verses 1 through 3 in chapter 3, the next biblical truth we see is 
evil and suffering. We learn to express our anger in correct ways rather than sinful ways. And as I said, this is something I'm working. I'm on a process trying to learn this myself. And what's that mean first? To be able to, to be angry and not sin is first we got to learn to trust God. And second, here's the hardest one for us guys. Ask a guy lost if he needs help. And what's our answer? No, 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 no. We got to ask for help. Trust God and ask for help. Take our concern, first of all, to God in prayer, but ask for help of others. Calling and praying to God for deliverance is the next thing I, I see. Not just for salvation, but also in our distress. David was confident God would answer. He had in the past, so he had that confidence at this moment. It is appropriate to feel, and I'm sure at times David did, how long, God, before you will deliver? That's okay to ask God. Okay, God, I know you're going to deliver, but how long? We all want it now. Now, right away. But God wants us to learn through it. While we wait for deliverance, though, we haven't got that answer yet. What do we do? We worship and have faith in God that he will answer in his time. In his time. The next truth I see in this is faithfulness. God is faithful. He can always be counted on. At night, many times, God can be heard. As we lay our burdens down, God brings joy. God's joy is greater than abundance of the harvest we see in that, that verse 7. God's joy brings about spontaneous praise worship. And so I can see David getting ready to go to sleep, giving it to God and worshiping God, and then laying his head down in peace. That's something, man, that would help me not have as many sleepless nights if I followed that truth. Do you have and have you lived these assurances that we see David experiencing? Are you going through challenging times right now? Are you running from something or someone, just as David was at that moment? Take it to Jesus. Ask Jesus to help you. Pray and worship and wait on God's answer and trust. Let's pray. Father, um, thank you so much for the Psalms because they're real life. We see David dealing with real life, real challenges. And the emotions that, that he's dealing with, we all experience God. So thank you that the Bible is real, and it can give us direction, and we can follow David's direction here, Father. We can come and bring our burdens to you at any moment, our deepest, biggest challenges. We can come and bring them and bring them in worship to you, Father, knowing that you are a righteous Father, that you're a loving Father and that you care. God, as we go through these challenges, may we, as David was seen, may we be seen faithful to you. May we be seen faithful by those around us that know what we're going through and may see the difference that Jesus can make in the life of one who trusts him even in the darkest, darkest of Thank you, Jesus, for your love. 